Episode 114 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the Australian actor and singer Jason Donovan, who, after starring as Scott Robinson in the Aussie soap opera Neighbours, became a UK-based international pop star, like his co-star and then-girlfriend Kylie Minogue. He went on to take the lead roles in the stage musicals Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and The Rocky Horror Show, the stage manager of which, Angela Malloch, would later become his wife. This interview took place in London in 2000, shortly after Gemma, the first of their three children, was born. I started by asking Jason how he felt about the heavy press and paparazzi intrusion into his life. I can't help people being free to take whatever they want and I won't try and stop it. I'm not angry about um, the intrusion. It is the life I choose to take. Um, it has made me a very, very successful and comfortable human being. Bearing in mind you were in the spotlight from a very early age, how will you feel if Gemma wants to follow you and Angela into show business? That's her decision, mate. That's the decision she will make for herself. I won't discourage her, I won't encourage her, it's a safe answer, but uh, my father discouraged me, if anything. All the actors I met said, you don't want to get into this business. All I can say to them is, well, I'm living in London, you know, 12,000 miles from, and I've had a great life. I can't say what you said was right, I just can't. But I can see the pitfalls of it. Um, You know, I can see the excesses in my life may have been caused by the adulation I had too early on, if the truth be known. Maybe it might have been better for me to have been a little bit more moderated, a little bit more softened the blow into this fame game I went through. But, um, hey. How long ago do your days in Neighbours seem now? 12 years ago. Just only 12? Yeah, it's 12. 12, 12, 12. How long do they feel to you, though? They seem like yesterday. Really? Yeah. Because you've been through a lot since then. Yeah. I wonder if they've like 100 years. No, no, they seem like yesterday, you know. Mm. It was one of the clearest, focused, ambitious... And successful. I mean, fuck, I could not. I came out of school. Um, I went for the audition in Neighbours the year prior. I don't know whether you might have read about that. Da 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 da. So I just could not believe my luck. And then not only to believe my luck was the fact that it worked. And it worked because there was no bitterness. We didn't come in with preconceived ideas. And I think this is why the youth market, particularly in soaps, is very strong. A lot of television people, particularly actors, are very bitter about the fact that they have to go back to soaps. We came in going, let's go, you know, guns, raising, Kylie, me, Guy, Craig. There was an immense amount of talent there, by chance, I think, purely. Um, the, the, The casting director, Jan Russ, did make some clever decisions, but... Is it true that you became a pop star because you were jealous of Kylie's pop success? Yes, that's true. Yes, absolutely. And that's true love, isn't it? She was a very, very big part of my life, and that's probably the best way to describe our relationship. You know, I, I saw someone slipping away, I felt, yeah. and I felt that the best way to combat that was to try and um, hit it head on. And to, to not deny the fact that, that I hadn't had previous experience as a musician, stroke, Australian Boys Choir... Um, piano, playing the piano, all those bits and pieces were firmly in place. It's just that I was also the person they looked to next from a record company point of view. It's hard to see, again, this is talking about the cards, you know, if you've got a stronger hand of cards, she had the stronger hand at that point. Why do you think, though, two Australian soap stars should make it such big pop stars here in Europe? 20 million viewers a day, mate. Television. It's called television. Power Power of television. Um, And 
It's not just the power of television. Okay, Stephen Dennis, Craig McLaughlin, all tried their singles. What we did was we weren't trying to be too cool. And this is the greatest lesson I think I learnt post the face. It's no such thing as cool. It's just C double O L. It's bullshit. Um, it's you are cool when you're not cool. What did you think of your pop records that you had and, and your image then? It gets better with age. It's like a good like cheese gets better with age. <laughs> the mould makes it brilliant. And I like Stilton these days, so, so can I answer it that way? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a big Stilton, Apple, you know, hover sort of man, you know. I like the red wine. Um, I'm really proud of what I've done in my past. It's funny, the more and more I've searched for the perfection, the less and less I've actually got. Um, the more and more I try and get the better mix of song, the less I, the, the more I lose the essence of why I really recorded. What Mike, Matt and Pete Waterman did was combine the youth culture, the dance culture, the disposable record culture. And I always said, hey, listen, this is, we're not trying to be Led Zeppelin. We're not trying, this is pop, you know. The problem maybe with, with some of the other members of the cast, you know, kids don't want to hear a guitar solo, mate. They want to, you know, they want to get up and throw a record away and feel never going to give you up, hand on your heart, yeah. locomotion. It was a celebration of life, you know, yeah. still with a kiss. It was yeah. an absolute celebration. To what extent, though, did you expect your pop career to be followed by a major TV or film career? And how disappointed were you when it didn't happen? Um, well, I hopefully would, would like to say to that, that that I'm only 32. Yeah, sure. No, I appreciate that. Um, and that there is time. And, in fact, I've got a film coming out in the summer called Sorted, plug. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that, sort of, that could move me in different directions. I'll ask you about Joseph. Richard East, my manager, who I have to thank a lot push me into Joseph. Now, I got to the first day of the dress rehearsal and said, what? I'm wearing these socks? I'm wearing a loincloth? I'm over this shit, Richard. And he said, this is the right move, mate. It is the right move. And he was right. You know, I had to bear with that. The problem was, as a person, I was fighting that move. And that's where my cleat, um, the niche and the Joseph thing, started to wear really thin with me because I was just like... After a year and a half, I was like, the money's incredible, the adulation's incredible, mm. but I don't want to be in, in sort of, you know, a satin suit anymore. Mm. I want to be in, you know, a bit more reckless. I guess I tried to live my own reinvention, whether that was to my detriment or my benefit. But there is a great thing to say that, that, that turning that around now is mm. probably a lot more interesting mm. than maybe being yeah. a Cliff Richard. That was maybe naive of me mm. and... No disrespect to Cliff. I think what he's done is um, he looks great. Because <laughs> it would appear that when you left Joseph, you made a very firm decision to grow up, not just in your own eyes, but in the public's eyes. Would you agree with that? Yes, very much. I found Joseph tiring. I found it really hard work. Not many people in my position at the age I was in had a run in a successful TV show, had five number ones, and then suddenly got to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber, and I was asked to invest in that show. I, I didn't. Yeah, I kicked myself, you know. So I was physically bloody exhausted at the end of that. The problem with theatre is it's a tiring process. You know, repetition in any form is hard work. I mean, we all repeat it. But the one thing that saved my life was exercise. I'm a vigilant exerciser. I go to the pool and swim every day. Even then? Even then, mate. Even in my worst hour, yeah. you would still find me out going and exercising, going to the gym, balancing my act. 
people couldn't believe I'd turn to the Palladium on a pushback, yeah, you know, yeah. and I was earning a fortune. I don't yeah. need a limo. Yeah. I mean, I'd much prefer to get my lungs going prior to the vocal warm-up, you know, yeah. up and down Oxford Street. God bless the fact that I nearly lost a leg on a few occasions, yeah. but people could not believe it. But that yeah. that's probably my enduring, enduring quality. Um, without being too egotistical, is to hit it straight between the line. You know, mm. this is me, this is what you get. Um, your appearance changed dramatically. How much of that was a deliberate attempt to shake off your previous clean-cut, wholesome image? Very much. It's like David yeah. Beckham. Right. <laughs> you know, do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's That's the yeah. equivalent. That's right. how I will say that. Right. Um, it's like you can wear the blonde hair for so long and then suddenly mm. something inside you grows up a bit, you know. It's no longer about being shot with a you know, a, a silver side underneath yeah. and, you know, how's my makeup? Yeah. you know. I don't have a bad hair day anymore. <laughs> you <laughs> must have upset some of your fans when you did that, though, and what did, how did you feel about them? Did you feel sorry for them? Or? I'm, I'm, I'm all for fans. I'm all for that, but I'm leading my fans. Right. If I stay complacent in the one level and not be individual, I don't think there's any reason to be led <laughs> by a person. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would have... Would have um, had concern and I, I, I particularly felt that in the Rocky time because what I got from the Rocky thing was very much, and this was my whole movement, you know, I, I want to do different things in my life. I don't want to be perceived as just the one character and God bless Cliff Richard, that was where I was going. Mm. But did That's you choose my... Rocky Horror Show because it was the most extreme opposite? I chose, I chose it for that reason. Yeah. I chose it for work. I'm also a very, very strong believer that you need to clock in sometimes. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. to be disciplined. Yeah. You need... You, a lot of musicians, and this is where I was going, I had the money, I had the interest rate working for me, um, despite stories to the contrary... I, I've been clever with my money and I haven't really lost a cent from my excesses. In fact, probably gained yeah. by being more vigilant and having more time to worry about it. Mm. Prior uh, to the Rocky Horror Show, though, you were in Night Must Fall and mm-hmm. the critics slammed you yes, for that. I did. How disappointing was that? I really wasn't together at that point. Right. But what, again, I needed was probably that wake-up call. And I knew that. That's what I'm saying. Uh, We can all make mistakes, but if we don't learn the lessons... The problem with musicians is they will wait till the sky moves a bit before they'll get motivated. You know, a lot of people say, well, can I lend some money or something? You know, well, go and work for someone. They won't. They won't, they won't fall into being controlled by other people. I will, because that's the acting background. You can't... You have to work for someone as an actor. As a musician, you are your own producer, director. Do you know what I'm saying there? It tends to be under your own auspices. Have you been offered big money to record and tour again in the way that you used to, and would you ever take up those offers? Um, big money, no. I have been offered to recording. It doesn't come really... Fi- I think what I have to do here is, is probably get a, um, a piece of work that will motivate people to put that investment in. I don't want to go back to the days of, you know, too many broken hearts. I'd like to see myself as a Brian Eno meets Peter Gabriel. From the experience I've had and the world we live in at the moment, there is no reason to say that that my uh, creative input can't be as important as, say, for example, those people I've referred to. Well, even with the background that I've had in the past. You know, I see people these days... Fame is a different Mm. ballgame these days than it was even ten years ago. Do you you miss the adulation, though? Fans outside your window and stuff? No, but I miss... I've never been comfortable with fans outside my window. Never. I think deep down I'm a bit shy when it comes 
to that. When I'm on the road, that's a different story. I'm working. Uh, I'm not one to be surrounded by fans, never have been. You still have a fan club out there? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of websites, yeah. put it yeah. that way. I yeah. mean, there's, when I look at my name mm. and the, the thing, it's not something I necessarily conduct myself. Probably I should have. And again, if you're looking down, I'm not meaning to dwell on the Cliff mm. Richards, but they're people that have kept their fan club really strong. Mm. Whether I want to be playing Hammersmith Apollo to my fan club for the rest of my life, I mm. don't know. How mixed were your feelings when Michael Hutchence died? They weren't mixed, it was just sadness. There was no mixed, mixed feelings at all. He was probably my idol, that's the irony, and you can probably dig back into um, the connections and the Kylie things there and what that did to my psychology. But Michael was the quintessential Australian pop star as far as I'm concerned. You know, he could move, he could sing, and he had balls. My problem in my life was I had success, I could sing, I could get up on stage. I didn't think people thought I had balls, you know. I, I wanted a bit more, you know, fuck you sort of attitude. And the thing you have now, though. I think maybe so now, yeah. Maybe that's changed a bit. Now. How much did his death make you think about how you could have ended up a few years before? didn't really cross my mind. Right. No. I wasn't that sort of character. I don't know whether it was suicide or whether it was a really bad accident. I again, it's like the past. I don't really... He's dead. That's life. I was at the funeral. Probably one of the greatest moments of my entire life was to see the band members and his brother put their mate on his shoulder yeah. and walk that box out. Mm. That, I, that broke... That, I lost it there. It, the whole service... Was, was quite a public service. And to be honest with you, I didn't know Michael that well. You know, he was an acquaintance. Um, you know, the Kylie connection hurt me, but at, at, at the end of the day, made me a stronger human being, definitely, and actually made me push myself into my work. And that's when my work really, particularly in music, took off post the, the Kylie Michael thing. How upset was Kylie, and to what extent did you console her? I had no contact with her during that period oh, at really? all. Not, not, out of, right. not out of disrespect and not out of no love for mm -hmm. her or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It was just, I think, um, post our relationship, our lives have been very separate. She's Kylie, I'm Jason. I guess we'll always, we'll always, there's not a day goes by where it's not that parallel. And I'm sure she feels the same thing and in some ways she's, I don't try and run for it. I'm very proud of her.